Um, I want to start out by saying this morning, this is going to be a Bible study, an interactive Bible study. If you want to participate, you are more than welcome to do so. Just let it be known that you have something to say, to contribute, and we'll do that. This is a message that I was going to bring last week, but the Lord just took a different direction, and the Holy Spirit moved, and I think we did the right thing to follow him, as we always try to do. This is a very important topic that we're going to be looking at this morning, and I would say that with the passing of every single night and day, it becomes more real than the day before, and that is the rapture of the church. I want to preface this study by saying that I in no way consider myself qualified to teach this subject to people who have been in the walk with the Lord their whole life, uh, for the most part. But I feel it's necessary, and the Lord put this on my heart, to talk about and teach and bring back to our remembrance what the Lord said himself and what the Word says as a whole about the rapture of the church. Jesus told his disciples that no man, not even the angels, nor himself, but the Father only, knows the time, the day, and the hour that that trump of God will sound announcing the coming of the Lord and the catching away of his bride from this earth, the true church, to join him at that meeting in the air. I want to distinguish first off that this study today is about the rapture only, not the second advent or the second coming when Jesus comes back to the earth and sets up his reign upon the earth in Jerusalem. That's not what we're covering today, only the rapture of the church. And I just want to stop a minute and ask the Lord, God, we ask you this morning to bless and anoint this message today, the message of your coming, Lord, that it not just be words and a lesson and just facts and figures, but, Lord, that it sparks a fire in our hearts to be ready and to seek after that which would make us ready, Lord, a closer walk with you, oh, God, that when that trumpet sounds, we are accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come upon this earth. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be handing out, or the boys, I've asked them to hand out to you this morning, a bunch of material. We're not going to read all of this, so don't worry. But we're going to read a portion of it. There's four different things, and I think there's plenty for everybody. So if you guys want to take, uh, each of you take, like, uh, Liam, you take that one there. Evan, you take this one here, and then you can pass those out. Okay, Don, you can read both probably at the same time. Perfect. Thank you. Everybody gets one. I believe that the rapture can take place at any moment in time. I don't believe that there is anything waiting in the wings that must occur before the Lord Jesus can come back in the clouds, as the Bible says, and call us home. 
I do believe that the second coming or second advent when Jesus returns to earth for his reign upon the earth does have some yet to be fulfilled prophecies associated with them. I also want to say that some Christians don't even believe that there will be a rapture. Some believe it will occur in the middle of the tribulation or at the end of it. And some even believe that we're already in the tribulation and there is no way of hope. I do not believe any of those things. I believe that the message of his coming is about the rapture of the church prior to the tribulation beginning. And that's where we're going to uh, take this from today. single sheet first. Did everybody see that? Everybody have one of these? You have one, Dave? No, he doesn't have one of these. All right. You should have this one single sort of dark paper you should have this really dark one that says the revelation prophecy chart then you should have the one that says seven reasons why I believe the the, in the pre-tribulation rapture and then the is uh, the single page there, Don? Could you hand me a copy of that one right there? Thank you. It says from David Jeremiah at the top. Those are the four things that you should have. But right now, we're going to be looking at this one. And I'm going to be reading some of the scriptures only on the, right, uh, the left-hand column, and I'm not going to read all of them. This is from the Dakes Bible Commentary, which, as you know, I love the Dakes Bible Commentary. I use it all the time, this great big huge monster here. Um, I think it is, it's, first of all, Dakes was spirit-filled. Secondly, I believe most of what he has written is absolutely truth. So um, I've, I found a few little nitpicky things that I wasn't so sure I agreed with, but that's going to be the case no matter who you read after. So the other I want to say is from Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'm sure you've all heard of him. He's been on the radio and TV for years and years and years. He is not spirit-filled to my knowledge, but I believe his teaching on this is absolutely spot on and it's free on his website if you want to go and have a closer look. I even have more of his, uh, of his printouts if you want them afterwards I'll be glad to share copies of those with you but I didn't include it in today's uh, teaching. So all that said I want to start with Galatians 1 11 and 12. Paul was laying a foundation here for what he was about to share with the church at Galatia. And he wrote these very important words. I don't think that's on your, uh, on your handouts. This is just a little bit of uh, foundation work first. 
He says, I, Paul, certify to you, my brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me by him, in other words, is not after any man. I neither received it of any man, and neither did I receive it by any teaching or university where he might have learned, but I received it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. To certify means to attest or confirm in a formal statement to officially recognize someone or something as possessing certain qualifications or having met certain standards. Paul certified to them that he did not learn this message from any source other than Jesus Christ himself. What a message. So if you want to, uh, first of all, I want to ask, now, our brother wasn't here last week, so you're exempted from the homework assignment that I gave last week, but if everybody else, do you remember what the homework assignment was and did you do it? <laughs> Reading Luke 21, the whole chapter of Luke 21 is about the second, or is about the rapture of the church and Jesus' words himself. The promise of the rapture. Now, we're going to go down most of these on this page that I was, uh, that we're going to lead off with. Luke 21, 36. And Jesus said, watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to what? Escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus' words, if you read that in Luke 21 and you have a red letter edition Bible, you saw Jesus spoke those words, that you be accounted worthy to escape all these things, talking about the tribulation period. In John 14, 1 and 3, we see where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now, what I read about that is Jesus is coming to receive, pulling up to where he was, to receive us to himself so that where he is, we may be also. One of the hallmark scriptures in the Bible about the rapture, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Behold, I show you a mystery, Paul writes, we shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. He's writing to the church at Corinthians, so he's writing to Christians, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible. In other words, in the twinkling of an eye, we get our new bodies, our glorified bodies, which are incorruptible. Praise the Lord for that. And we shall be changed. Ephesians 5.27 Christ loved the church that he might wash it, clothe it in righteousness, and present it to himself. We're going to skip down to number six, 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to, I'm going to be reading from this 
uh, referring to it several times. First Thessalonians um, 15 through 18. It's a little dark. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep, the dead in Christ. For the Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul is saying here, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raised up out of this gravity-held place to a meeting with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And comfort yourselves with these words. So what's going to happen at the time of the rapture? These three things that scripture said, the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. The voice of the archangel whom we know the only named arch archangel in the Bible is Michael. I'm not saying that it could only be him, but the only one we know who is named in the Bible is Michael. And the trump of God. All those three things are the announcement that he's coming, and then the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, we know that he's bringing back the souls of those dead with him in that meeting in the air. And so their bodies rise incorruptible, changed in a twinkling of the eye, and reunited with their soul in the air with Jesus. And then the church, which is alive and remains upon this earth, will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord and comfort one another. I love that scripture. Now, the Dake's commentary says that the church will continue to hinder lawlessness. And we'll read that scripture in a few minutes until the rapture. Then the Antichrist will be revealed when the church is gone. When the church has been removed, lawlessness will no longer be hindered. This is conclusive evidence that the rapture takes place before the Antichrist comes and sets up his, his covenant with Israel and Daniel's 70th week of prophecy and before the tribulation begins that's described in Revelation chapter 6. Daniel tells us that the Antichrist makes a seven-year contract with Israel. He's here for seven years, which will be the last seven years of this age, and he who hinders lawlessness, the church, is taken out before the last seven years of this age and before the Antichrist begins his rule. Now if you look at the uh, handout, 
It starts out moments after the rapture. I believe it's a single page from David Jeremiah's writings. Moments after the rapture, the Spirit of God will remove any restraining influence on earth so that things become far, far worse than they are today. And the seven-year tribulation period will begin. But believers going in the rapture will escape these terrible events, just as Jesus said they would in the book of Luke 21, verse 36. First Thessalonians 5, 9 says, For God hath not appointed us, the church, to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is not to be the recipient of wrath because he's made a way of escape, as Jesus himself said in Luke 21, 36. And before we move on to Revelation, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, or because of the coming of the Lord and because of our gathering unto him, we need not fear these things that are coming events. Now, the book of Revelation and the rapture. If you look at the handout number two that says Revelation prophecy chart, there's really only a couple of things that I want to show you, but this is a wonderful resource. Wonderful enough that I thought it was um, good enough to, to co make multiple copies and uh, pass them out to you. If you look at the chart, which I believe is page three of this whole handout, right in the middle, it says the rapture. Jesus comes for the church. And we go to heaven with him and participate in the judgment seat of Christ where Jesus meets out the rewards and the uh, judgments for the saints, for the church, not the uh, end of the world judgment, but the saints are given their rewards. And you see how it fits in. The first three chapters of Revelation and then the rapture of the church for the reward of the saints. If you turn the page, the second thing I want to point out on this chart is at the very bottom, after all of this tribulation, after all of this wrath, after all of these things come upon the earth, then is the second coming. Jesus comes back to earth with the church, with us. We set up reign as he does in Jerusalem, and we then prepare for the marriage supper of the Lamb. I wanted to give that to you. The third page of that chart says the thousand-year reign of Jesus and all the saints, then the great white throne judgment for all of the unsaved 
and then the new heaven and the new earth are created. I love this chart. I think it's very easy to follow and something that I hope you enjoy and keep in your records. Revelation 3.10 says, uh, John is reciting this to, that was given to the church of Philadelphia in chapter 10, verse uh, chapter, chapter 3, verse 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation or tribulation as multiple sources that I read said the word there should be tribulation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Where are we going to be? In heaven with Jesus. We will not be on the earth at the time of this tribulation. But in Revelation chapter 4 begins like this. And after this, the previous happenings in chapter 3, where he was talking about the rapture of the church. After this, I looked and behold, the Lord showed me a door opened in heaven, and all that would happen after this, the rapture of the church. John's escort through heaven was one of the 24 elders, a man who represented the raptured saints who were worshiping God in the throne room. He saw the Old Testament and the New Testament saints, the church in white raiment, and he saw the 24 thrones around the throne of God. You know, sometimes we wonder, is this really real? Are we dreaming about a way of escape? Are we just, you know, holding on to a pipe dream that somebody taught us when we were in Sunday school? I don't believe so. The whole book of 2 Thessalonians 2 is about the rapture of the church. In the Amplified verse, uh, version, I want to just read a couple of these scriptures. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, But relative to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet him, we beg you, brethren, not to allow your minds to become quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed. And in verses uh, 6 through 8, chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, and what is restraining him from being revealed at this time? For the mystery of lawlessness, remember that word, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority, the rebellion against God, we all we know is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains the church is taken away. This he, I believe, along with Dakes and Dr. Jeremiah, is the church. Paul writes in Titus 2.13 that we are looking for that blessed hope. Oh, yes, we are. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is looking for him? Only the church is looking for him. If you would turn to the handout that says seven reasons 
Jesus. I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. There are many more than seven reasons, but I chose, and actually, as you go through this, you'll see there's only six, but I'm going to bring another one in the very near future. Number one, comforting doctrine. We already read that Jesus said in Luke 21, 36, watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. And Paul, having received this doctrine directly from Jesus, wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Would it be comforting to say we're going to be ruled by the evil antichrist, that we're going to go through death and destruction all around, having been saved and Christians and hidden by the word of God and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That is neither comforting nor uh, a way of escape. No, it lines up with the doctrine of comfort to believe that the rapture takes place before the Antichrist sets up his rule. We know without a fact that the spirit of Antichrist is at work today. It has been for many years. No question in our minds about that. But the man has been hindered from being revealed because the church is here. Number two, God has not appointed the church to wrath, but to obtain salvation. This scripture was written just following Paul's command to comfort one another with these words. Just eight scriptures down, I believe it is, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us, the church, to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say he's doing? Making a place for us. And Jesus bore the wrath of God on the cross of Calvary on our behalf. Number three, God consistently throughout scripture delivers his believing people from Genesis to Revelation out of their tribulations. Second Peter 2.9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Again, the word temptations in the Greek is translated many tribulations. Number four, this might be one of the most compelling reasons to believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. And it's about timing. The, the tribulation period is a very defined timeline of seven years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which starts immediately upon the Antichrist signing a peace agreement with Israel. Mark 13, 32 through 33. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father only. Yet we were just given the tribulation period begins at a moment in time defined by the Antichrist signing an agreement with Israel. Well, that's a pretty easy thing to pinpoint 
from a time perspective. But Mark says nobody knows it, so that the two can't be the same. I definitely believe this proves the pre-tribulation rapture. And likewise, it is meant for a very defined people, for Israel, Judah, or Jacob, all names God interchangeably used to describe Israel. In Jeremiah 34 through 8, I just put a few um, uh, portions of that scripture here. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. But that's not what he appointed the church to, is it? And verse 7 and 8, it is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Fear not, for I am with thee to save thee. God said they, the believing Jews, would flee to the rocks of Petra, which are in Jordan, and there he would hide them. And finally, Daniel's 70th week, the tribulation week, is very specifically for the Jews. There's not one scripture that alludes to it being for the church. Five, Daniel chapter three, the fiery furnace. We have all uh, know this story and have read it many times. There were three Hebrews thrown into the fire. No church, Hebrews, Jews. Wicked King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden image that all must bow down to and worship, which the Antichrist will also do. And like the wicked king, anyone who refuses will be killed. But Jesus himself stepped into that fire and delivered the Hebrews from their certain death because of their belief and their allegiance to God. Many Jews will believe and be saved out of the tribulation period, even at the cost of their death. And six, finally, I love this one, Enoch, <clears throat> a type of the New Testament church, walked with God and was no more on the earth because he was raptured at 365 years of age. So we see that rapture is not a new thing to God. Enoch was a righteous man, and he contended for the faith for his people in the last evil days. Before God flooded the earth, and before God raptured Enoch, before the flood, before the devastation came, he raptured Enoch, and he made a way of escape for Noah and his family of eight. For this reason, Enoch is said to be a picture or a type of the church. He walked with God. He contended for the faith because of the evil in the last days before the flood. And God raptured him before bringing complete destruction by water upon the earth and all its inhabitants, except for Enoch, whom he raptured, and Noah, for whom he created another way of escape. This is truly a beautiful picture of the role of the church today. We walk with God in fellowship divine. We contend for the faith of our fathers, for our loved ones who are yet to be saved, yet in the midst of such evil and debauchery. And God made a way of escape, a catching away in the air, the rapture of the church, his bride, 
just as he did for Enoch and the ark for Noah. And as I said, you'll notice there's only six reasons listed there because I am saving the seventh one for another time. It is so beautiful and it's way too long for today. So in closing, I want to say we grew up singing many, many wonderful songs about the rapture and about the second coming of Christ. But we've lost touch with so many of those songs. If you look at your hymnal, page 328, when the Lord put this scripture or this message in my heart, he first gave me the title of a song, The Message of His Coming. How many of you know this? No? Oh, my. Dave, you and me are old. Page 328, the message of his coming. This was one of the songs that we sang about. I want to tell you about the author a little bit. Robert E. Winsett was born in Tennessee in 1876, and he passed away in 1952. And it's said that he personally wrote over a thousand songs. But there are also many, many songs in addition to the ones he wrote on which he collaborated with others by either composing the music, writing orchestral scores, or publishing someone else's composition in a hymnal. Robert E. Winsett was a Pentecostal preacher who earned an advanced music degree from a prestigious school of music. You hardly hear of those two things being in the same person, do you? But undoubtedly, he was mightily used by the Holy Spirit in spreading the message of his coming in a profound way. And here's why. I'm going to read you just a very um, short excerpt from the list that I found of his compositions and his collaborations with others. And you will hear by the titles of these, the message of his coming was his priority in his music. He wrote the message of his coming, the song Living by Faith, in that great triumphant morning, lift me up above the shadows. Surely you guys recognize some of these. <laughs> Jesus is Coming Soon, which was made popular in 1976, I think by the Oak Ridge Boys. He wrote it years and years and years ago, and it wasn't even, nobody caught on to it until 1976, many years after he'd already died. All hail the power of Jesus' name, he published in multiple hymnals. I'd rather have Jesus, made famous by George Beverly Shea, he was the publisher that made it famous and made it available to all people. He'll understand and say, well done. Give me Jesus, or another title of that is In the Morning When I Rise. Beautiful song. Farther along, in that city where the Lamb is the light, when Jesus returns for his own and carries us up to his throne, and we shall rise. What a list, what a burden of a message God birthed in his heart to give out in many ways 
to the world about the coming of Jesus. I want to say before we end, we have to be ready to go. There are some prerequisites to qualify to be in that meeting in the air. We must be in Christ. We must bear the cleansing blood of his salvation. Number one, without doubt. We must be blessed and holy. This really surprised me. Revelation 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. And on him the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. We must be in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 has told us, we've read this many times, for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Gentile, whether bond or free, and have all made to, been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. It's important to be a member a part of, a functioning part of the body of Christ. We must be pure without spot or wrinkles, as Ephesians 5.27 tells us, and we must live and walk in the Spirit, as Galatians 5.19-21 tells you. And I'm going to leave you with this most powerful scripture again, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, changed in the twinkling of an eye, made incorruptible. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Will you stand with me this morning? I know this has been longer than normal, but I wanted to be thorough with the subject and give you as much of the detail as I could and the resources that I found that I hope will bless you. We've heard about the message of his coming. I believe it, don't you? I know you do. Lord, we know that your coming is so close because though we don't know the time, though we don't know uh, when this is going to happen, we do see the signs of the seasons as your word says. And it also says that when we see these things to lift up our head, for our redemption draweth nigh. The time of your rapturing of the church is coming soon, Lord, and we so want to be ready. But we want our loved ones to be ready as well, O oh God. And that's what this portion of time we're in now is about. Bring in those, Lord, who are lost. Bring in those, Lord, who are not 
covered by your blood so that they can go with us in this blessed, blessed event of the church, the rapture of the saints in the air. Oh, Father, we thank you for this blessed hope that you've given us, for we would be so, so lost and miserable without this blessed hope. Thank you, Lord, for your presence among us today and for this wonderful, wonderful message of your coming. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, that you go with everyone. I pray, Lord, that your blessing and that your face shine upon each one, O oh God, and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.